Today, we examine concept versus reality. I went almost completely offline for five days in the remote woods of Michigan to unplug and disconnect and forget about COVID-19 for a few days. I took a bunch of technology with me to help alleviate the boredom, and I'm going to tell you how that went. Then, we're going to take a look at the evolution of the dual-screen case from LG, including the LG Velvet. It's the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. Welcome to the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. I am your host, Adam Dowd, and this week is a special edition of the podcast. Well, actually, we weren't going to have a podcast at all, but then the LG Velvet came into our lives, and we're so excited about this thing, we just had to tell you about it. And surrounding that, we have another special feature by yours truly. But first, there were a couple of headlines that caught my eye, so we're going to have a super abbreviated news of the week. Arguably the biggest news of the week came from CTA, the Consumer Technology Association, who puts on one of the biggest tech conferences of the year, CES in Las Vegas. As recently as June, CTA said that CES will be in person, hell or high water. Well, it turns out, I guess there was hell and high water because they reversed course and now CES will be an online-only affair. And as much as I love the trade show, seeing all my friends in this space and meeting company representatives face-to-face, I was legitimately afraid of going this year. My wife is a very high risk for COVID-19 and I'm not not a high risk. I honestly was probably not going to go anyway. As much as the show would benefit me personally and professionally, I'm glad I don't have to risk killing my family for a few free beers and valuable FaceTime. Good call, CTA. Now we just have to work on school systems. The Wall Street Journal reports that Amazon met with some tech startups thinking about investing in them, but then they went ahead and launched competing products of their own. And just what the hell, Amazon? Working in a startup is hard and risky, and it seems like any given day can be your last if the funding dries up. So meeting with a big moneyed potential investor like Amazon and its Alexa Fund startup program can literally make or break a company. Unfortunately, it seems Amazon took the opportunity to see some really great ideas and then mass produce them bigger and cheaper or not cheaper because what the hell, we can sell them at a loss because we print our own money. It's a sleazy thing to do, and unfortunately, Amazon is so big and ingrained in our psyche that I would imagine most of us will say, oh, that sucks, what a crappy company. And in the next breath, they'll say, oh, my bug zapper is only five stops away. And if that's the case, don't feel bad, because if I'm totally honest, I did the same thing, and now I gotta go because my bug zapper is only four stops away. And finally, I told you this was short, but you may have noticed that a couple of people spoke to Congress the other day, and I'm sorry to say I did not watch the proceedings. Okay, truth be told, I'm a little glad I didn't watch too, but I was on vacation and I kind of forgot that they were happening until everyone in my Twitter feed started running commentary, so whoopsie. Anyway, Vox Media broke down the biggest winners and losers from the hearings, and that helped quite a bit. From what I read, Facebook and Google were the losers, not so much in how they answered the questions, but more in the fact that they were asked the most questions, and seeing as how these hearings were about antitrust issues, 
Yeah, that's, that's pretty much Facebook and Google. You could talk about Apple as well, but the part that confounds me is Amazon. I mean, if you want to look at any of those four companies that put American businesses in danger every damn day, it's Amazon for reasons that I just outlined in our last story. But Amazon's dirtiness goes deeper because in addition to selling everything for everyone, Amazon also gets all that data to suggest what products that they need to sell themselves because Molly and Jim sell so many of them, Amazon could sell them even cheaper and whoops, suddenly Molly and Jim don't make their mortgage. I mean, I've talked in the past about Apple's App Store monopoly and while Google and Facebook probably have cornered the market on things like ads and personal data, I'm not really sure how many voters that really puts at risk. Meanwhile, Molly and Jim are looking at apartments on Facebook Marketplace, corresponding with landlords over Gmail, navigating to apartments to look at with Apple Maps, but boy, are they pissed off with Amazon. I was just going to take this week off because for most of this week, I was in the woods, completely disconnected from the internet. I mean, seriously, there aren't even cell towers where I went. But I started creating my mental checklist of what I was going to take with me, and I decided to have a little fun with it. So great news, there is a podcast this week because I think this could be fun, and because I'm a workaholic, leave me alone. Everyone has a list of items that they consider necessities when traveling, but I'm not sure how much we actually realize what we actually use on these trips. So I documented it, and now I'm reporting back. This show will come in two parts, and the first section I recorded a week ago, which is why the tenses are about to change. Don't panic. This first list is a list of technology that I'm taking with me and the reasons why I'm taking it. Each and every item in my bag will have an anticipated purpose to it, and I'm going to tell you what that is. Then, in part two of this podcast, I'm going to tell you what actually happened. Did I actually use that 20,000 milliamp hour battery? Did I really need that Kindle Fire? I'm just going to lay it all out for you, so let's just jump into part one, the list. The first thing that I'm taking with me is the DJI Mavic Mini. I've been going out to this cottage for decades, and it's in a remote part of the woods, but I've never had a drone fly out there around to get like a bird's eye view. Truth be told, I'm a little nervous about that. There are many, many birds around there, and many of those birds are much bigger than the drone, and I'm not sure how they're going to take to the newcomer. I'll be super conservative, that's for sure. We're also planning a boat trip while we're up there, and I'd love to use the drone on a boat. You can get some really great shots, and it's just a ton of fun. This this drone is a no-brainer. It's definitely going with. The second big ticket item I'm taking is the Oculus Quest. Its extreme portability makes it perfect for a trip out of town. I've got a great carrying case for it, so it'll stay nice and safe. This cottage that we're going to is really too small to use the Quest inside, but outside, there are very large areas where I'll be able to run around and do whatever. So yes, I'm bringing the Oculus Quest to use predominantly outside. Plus, I've always wanted to play Beat Saber on a boat, so damn it, that's what I'm gonna do. 
As for my phone, I switched from the TCL 10 Pro back to the LG V60. The main reason for this is because the V60 has IP water resistance and we're going to be canoeing on this trip as well. While I'm fairly sure that the 10 Pro can withstand a splash or two, why chance it? I'm also taking the Samsung Galaxy S10 5G with me, not because I'm going to need 5G, definitely not in the woods, but because it's the best camera phone that I'll have up there, and this trip is about making memories, yo! This is my first questionable item that I'm taking. Will I really use it? The LG V60 has a great set of cameras as well, so this might end up being just a little bit of extra bulk, so if you're looking for items in the questionable category, this is your first one. I didn't want to take a laptop on this trip because I'm not going to be gone long, and damn it, this is a vacation, so I really don't want to work. Well, actually, that's not true. I always want to work, but I won't have internet up there, so I won't really need a laptop. But I am taking my iPad, Not Pro, and Bridge keyboard, so it's kind of like a laptop. I debated between taking the Lenovo Duet and the iPad, but I opted for the iPad because I think I'll be more likely to unplug and maybe just play a few games rather than work while I'm up there. Otherwise, the Duet would be perfect. Besides, just this week, I did get a laptop in for review, so... I guess I'm taking a laptop after all. This is the Lenovo Flex 5G powered by Verizon, and I'm excited to try this guy out. I live in Chicago, which is a Verizon 5G network city, so one day in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be working downtown, and that'll be fun. As for the middle of the woods, according to Verizon's maps, I will have LTE there, but how accurate that is remains to be seen. Regardless, it's going with. Next up, another questionable take, but I'm going to schlep my Canon T5i up there. I might get inspired to shoot some video up there, plus with NeoWise still floating around out there, I want to take a good camera and try to get a shot of it if possible. It should be visible even though we're going to be there past peak time to see it at this point. Might also do some product photography while I'm up there, just for the archives or whatever. I still have to talk about the Mavic and the Oculus for the Tech Yeah segment, so I'll definitely grab some shots of those while I'm up there, so yeah, it's not questionable. That one's a sure bet. I'm also grabbing my DJI Osmo 3 phone gimbal for this, and this is a real flyer. I'm, I'm not sure if there will be an opportunity to use this thing or not, but this is definitely a better-to-have-it-and-not-need-it type of option, and this is likely going to be the first strike on my audit. I flip-flopped on whether or not to bring it, but I'm going for it. I have a Kodak Luma 150 projector that's going up. This one's also a bit questionable. I'm taking it because we're planning on a nighttime screening of Hamilton while we're up there, and I think the projector will be a nice touch. I also have a Tech Yeah item called the Dragon Touch 15-inch portable monitor that I could take for this, but that's going to stay home because I have the projector. I debated bringing both, but then I knew one of them was going to be unused, so why waste the space? This one's honestly a gamble. Besides, if I wanted a 15-inch monitor, I just take a laptop. Moving on. The GoPro Hero 7 is going with me too, and this is another gamble because I already have two phones and a DSLR. Why do I need a fourth camera? Well, I probably don't, but I might make this my camera while I'm on the canoe trip. Plus, the last time I tried to use this thing, the battery was dead, even though I just charged it, so it may not even work. I guess you could just cross your fingers on this one. I'm taking two Kindles with me, the Kindle Fire HD 8 Plus and my Kindle Paperwhite, and it looks like for the very first time, I might actually have to plug in the Kindle Fire, since I'm not taking the charging stand. 
which is just going to be weird. The Fire HD 8 will be for movies, while the Kindle Paperwhite will be for books, and yes, I anticipate using both of these. And speaking of charging, I'm taking my RavPower 20,000 mAh battery and my Anchor 10,000 mAh battery. One of these has been a tech yeah subject, the other one will be. Additionally, I'm taking my Moshi 5,000 mAh battery because it can double as a Qi wireless charging pad, which is super sweet. For wired power, I again have a RavPower Anchor combo with my GAN fast chargers from both companies, and again, one is a subject of a tech yeah, and the other one will be. One of the lights that I'm taking is my Lytra Torch 2.0, and I'm positive that the company will be thrilled to know that I rarely use this light for photography. But it's a great light, and very rugged and super bright. It's perfect for being out in the woods and scaring away the bears. I'm just kidding, there's no bears. Hey honey, there's no bears, right? Okay, so that about covers it. I think this is a decent list that's not too long and not too silly. I think it's just the right amount of tech for a nice vacation. Okay, honestly, it's way too much tech for a trip to the woods, but what do you want me to do? There's no internet. I need something to keep me from going crazy. So now we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor, which is not really a sponsor. It's actually just me asking you to do something to help the show. But anyway, when I come back, we're going to talk about dual screen cases from LG. Then after that, it's time for part two of this podcast. And you betcha, it's audit time. What did I use? What didn't I? It's a weird show, no doubt. But I think it's fun. So we're going to do this. So let's do it. You probably shop at Amazon, right? Sure you do. I shop there, honestly, probably way more than I should. Fortunately, there's a great way that you can do what you do and help out the show at the same time. If you visit benefitofadoubt.com support, you'll find a link to my Amazon store. Go ahead and search up something else on Amazon and buy that. I'll get a small commission and it won't cost you a thing. There are more great options for helping me out at benefitofadoubt.com support. That's benefitofadoubt.com support. You'll get a list of all my affiliations and monetization options all wrapped up in a neat little package at benefitofthedoubt.com support. I hope you visit. And as always, I thank you for listening. For almost a year now, LG has been making something of a statement with its phones. The LG V50, the LG G8X, the LG V60, and the LG Velvet 5G have all had an unfortunately optional accessory called the dual screen case available for each phone. I say unfortunately optional because, as I've said on these airwaves before, making an accessory like this optional does not force adoption. I don't have sales numbers to back anything up, but if I had to guess, I'd say... 9 out of 10 LG phone buyers opted not to go with the dual screen case, which is unfortunate. As I said during my LG V60 review, that phone is pretty much all about the dual screen case. From multitasking to gamepad controllers to using the phone like a mini laptop with the keyboard on one screen and the active screen on the other, it's been pretty awesome seeing an affordable phone with superior multitasking like this. Michael Fisher and other reviewers will trumpet the superiority of folding screens and I'm not going to argue that point. Folding screens are probably three times better than a dual screen case. And for a moment, we're going to put aside the fact that quote unquote three times better is a completely made up figure. How can something be three times more useful than something else? But the point is, is that folding screens from a strictly utility standpoint are demonstrably better. But 
My counter argument is that LG is putting out dual screen phones with a ton of utility in their own right, and they're doing it for less than $1,000, let alone $1,500 and $2,000 price points that we've seen thus far. And that makes them valuable in their own right, which is why, I suspect, LG has doubled down on dual screen cases. They're adding a ton of utility without affecting your wallet nearly as much which is why it's so important to see the evolution of a dual screen case. So I wanted to take a moment to cover what LG has done with this innovation thus far. Back in the days when, you know, people could actually be near each other, ancient history at this point, we used to have tech conferences like IFA, the International Funkausstellung Electronics Conference in Berlin, saw the release of the LG V50 with dual screen case. This case had an all glass front, plastic build, including the backplate with a large gaping hole in it for four cameras across the back of the phone. The phone connected to the case with pogo pins on the back. Unfortunately, US versions of the phone were sold without the required pogo pins, which is why my review sample is a Korean version of the phone. The dual screen itself had four positions it could be in. Closed, open to just over 90 degrees, open to 180 degrees, and all the way folded around the back of the phone. All dual screens have had a slit across the top that allow you to talk on the phone with the dual screen case closed, which is nice. LG started developing a software to take advantage of a dual screen, bringing such concepts as the aforementioned mini laptop mode and the game controller of a dual screen. Overall, I really like the idea here, but there were issues. The rigidity of the screen positions, for one, was irksome. I found that the just over 90 degree open version was not quite good for many real purposes like watching videos as it was always tilted just a little too far forward. But I digress. Moving forward, LG released a dual screen case for the LG G8X, and I never had the opportunity to test that phone. But from what I understand, it's very similar to the LG V60, so I can speak to it somewhat by lumping them both together. The LG V60 case made a major improvement to the hinge, making it an adjustable hinge from closed all the way around to flipping it open around the back. You could put it at any angle. The hinge is loose enough that it moves easily, but stiff enough so that you can hold the V60 by the dual screen and support the weight of the phone itself. The back of the case is plastic and the front of the case is still glass, but now there's a small window at the top that shows you notifications, such as the time when the case is closed. Around the back, the plastic is coated with a soft touch material that makes the phone quite pleasant to hold. On the front, and this is something I awarded a minor ding to the LG V60 for, the outside buttons of the LG V60 case were slightly offset from the actual buttons on the phone. You could see it in the case. And it wasn't ideal, not for a design nerd like me. Plus, and this is another major change, LG went with a USB Type-C connector on the inside of the case to communicate between the dual screens, eliminating the pogo pins. The trade-off is that the LG V60 case comes with a sort of MagSafe connector adapter to stick on the end of your USB Type-C cable so you can plug the thing in. It works fine, but adapters are not an awesome choice. The magnetic adapter is pretty strong, but in my experience, it's not strong enough to keep the cable connected to a phone while using something like Android Auto, for example. I'd like to see that magnet be a little bit stronger or slot in a little bit better to hold it more securely. And finally, we get to the LG Velvet, and full disclosure, I haven't been using this phone long enough to give overall impressions just yet, but I think the dual screen case on the Velvet is a case of one step forward 
and maybe one step back. For this generation, LG eschewed the all-glass front of the case and went with plastic instead, except for the notification window, that is, and that's a very smart idea. However, they also eschewed the soft-touch coating on the case as well, which is not so good. In particular, the case itself seems fairly scratch-prone on both the front and the back. I need to make sure I grab some photos of this thing pretty soon, or they won't look good at all. Now, is losing the soft-touch coating causing this scratch proneness I guess that's a word. I don't know, but it's an understandable compromise of a mid-range phone. The buttons on the side of the case do line up with the buttons on the phone, making it much more attractive in this reviewer's humble opinion. The MagSafe connector on the bottom is still not ideal for connectivity, nor does it seem any stronger than the LG V60 connector, and that's probably because they use the same connector, which makes a lot of sense. Still, that's something that could be improved on. And that's the whole point here. The dual screen case is an evolution, and I love seeing companies build upon products that they believe in. And it's clear that LG believes in the dual screen case. Or at least I sure do. Maybe if I had a Samsung Galaxy Fold or an extra $2,000 laying around, I'd feel different. But for right now, today, I'll put my money on LG every time, especially because of the consistent record of improvement that we've seen for this past year. And now for part two, I'm back from vacation and it's time to take stock in what happened and what got used and what did not. Overall, I don't think I really totally overdid it, but there were definitely some things that did not need to make the trip with us. So let's run down the inventory. Starting off, I should mention that 2020, 2020 all over our vacation, and because of a number of factors, we had to cut our trip short down to four days instead of six. That's okay, though, because as soon as I got home, I went right back to drinking for two days, and I'm only sober as I write this because I'm currently in the car on the Flex 5G Always Connected Laptop. Review coming soon to Port at Work, BT Dubs. So... Let's take a look and see what happened. But first, a word about where we were, which is to say we were deep in the woods of Western Michigan, and despite the assurances of T-Mobile and Verizon, we did not get any signal there whatsoever. So any internet that needed interneting needed to be done in town. The LG Velvet Review phone that I have is an AT&T branded phone with SIM, and that phone got little burps of internet every now and then, but it never really lasted more than one web page loading, and it never happened in the same place twice. Also, since I got the phone literally an hour before we were leaving, I never got any of my apps set up on it, and I had five gigabytes of data waiting to download the entire week. And yes, I know I could have said go ahead and do it over mobile, but I was on vacation, so I didn't really care. Anyway, internet at the cabin was a non-starter, so let's talk about the tech. To start off, I want to talk about nighttime in the woods, and I'm happy to say I was able to score some sweet nighttime photography with not only the LG V60, but also the LG Velvet and my Canon T5i. I did not take a single damn product photo while I was up there. Most of our days were either spent going and doing something, driving to town for the hundredth time to get something we forgot, or you know, just not taking product photos. Oh well. Still, all three of those devices count as being used because of the astrophotography, which is a win. That being said, I did get some really great shots with the LG phone, so I probably didn't need the Canon, but I did catch Neowise with the Canon, so I'm marking that as a win. 
The LG V60 was my primary phone for the trip. I used it to take photos and make phone calls, the internet in town, navigate, the whole nine yards. The phone was a beast and it took everything that I cared to throw at it, but it's still not the battery champ for me that everyone else claims it is. I still get only a day even without the dual screen case, and by the way, I did not take the dual screen case because it doesn't have an IP rating. My secondary phone was the Velvet, mainly because of the AT&T SIM. Plus, I had the dual screen case on it, but there was never really any internet, so I couldn't really single task, let alone multitask. The camera on the Velvet is also quite good, so when I needed to grab a photo, I used that one just as much as the V60. I never touched the Samsung Galaxy S10. Whoops. Damn good camera on that phone, but ultimately, I didn't need it. So let's go ahead and get this out of the way. While we were at the cottage, the Lenovo Flex 5G, the Amazon Kindle Fire HD 8 Plus, and the iPad all stayed firmly in my bag. On the way up and on the way back, I did use the Lenovo, so that counts as a use. And as a matter of fact, I wrote most of this script in the car with Lenovo, so that was a win. I did not need the Kindle nor the iPad, which is surprising. I didn't watch any movies or TV shows while I was up there, despite the fact that they were downloaded and ready to go. The DJI Mavic Mini did get used, though not as much as I thought it would. Honestly, the week we were out there, it was quite windy, and I wasn't ballsy enough to put it up in the air and hope that I could get it back. I did fly it around the cottage a bit to take in the scenery, but just like I said, we're in the middle of the woods. You want to know what scenery was up there? Trees. A lot of trees. I mean, I guess I should have seen that coming, but truth be told, I could have walked down to the river and been a little bit more bold. I just never did. Speaking of the river, we did go boating on the lake, and I wanted to take the drone there, but that was one of the windiest days that we were there, so I really didn't want to lose that drone. It would not have done well in that environment, so it stayed in the car. The Oculus Quest did get played, but again... Not as much as I thought it would. My son played with it for a time, and I did get a few games of Beat Saber in, but during the day we were mostly out and about, and at night it was too dark to properly track the controllers, so the headset just didn't work very well. If I had left that at home, it wouldn't have been a big deal. The DJI Osmo Gimbal also did not get used, though it occurs to me I should have taken that out on the boat for some video work. The lake was quite choppy because of the wind, so a gimbal probably would have helped stabilize some of the footage that we took. Overall, this one was a miss. It should have stayed home. The GoPro Hero 7 and the three portable batteries also never got touched. The GoPro was just extraneous. I didn't do anything action-y except kayaking, but that wasn't whitewater kayaking, so really, it was a waste of space. And the batteries, I just charged up while I was at the cottage and didn't need to charge while I was out and about, so I didn't need those either. The Kodak Luma projector did come in handy as we screened the first half of Hamilton on a rainy evening, and the projector added a nice touch, but also my phone started throttling a bit, and when I picked it up to try to fix it, it completely crapped the bed, and we had to stop altogether. Still, it was a nice way to watch the musical, and by the way, if you haven't watched Hamilton yet, it's really good. The Libra Torch did exactly what I thought it would do. It was a flashlight, which came in handy on numerous occasions. Once I remembered what bag I packed it in, seriously, that was so irritating trying to find it. You see, I had so many bags carrying all this tech that I didn't use, I couldn't remember what was where. And finally, we get to the Kindle Paperwhite, which was a godsend. It was the device that I used the absolute most on the trip, probably even beyond my phone. 
I read a couple of books, including How I Killed Pluto and Why It Had It Coming, which was a brilliant tale told by Dr. Michael Brown, who indeed had a hand in Pluto's demotion and now carries the Twitter handle PlutoKiller because he's awesome. So overall, I think I ended up using most of the tech that I took along, but realistically... I could have gone with half the stuff and been perfectly fine. Most of the stuff I didn't use was small, a battery pack, a phone. I could have easily left the VR headset at home. While it did get used, I think my imagination got away from me a little bit there. I definitely would have had used it more if the internet had made its way to the cottage. That was definitely a limiting factor. But that's also why it's nice to get away and unplug every now and then. So that's what I think the takeaway has to be here. When you're going on vacation, assume the internet won't work and pack accordingly. Unplug, go out, and see the world around you, and drink. Holy crap, be sure to drink, but mostly unplug and unwind. The world will be waiting for you in earnest when you get home. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. I'd like to thank LG for the chance to look at the LG Velvet 5G. As always, LG received no editorial oversight over this. These are my words. I'd like to thank Verizon and T-Mobile for bald-faced lying on their maps about coverage in Michigan. But most of all, I'd like to thank you for listening and for giving me the benefit of the doubt. <laughs>